Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, please. Conversations with filmmakers where we discuss everything film and television. Here on Movie Beat, you'll learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies and TV, and we will talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera, and I'll provide you with the guests and the information you're going to want to have, whether you're a filmmaker or a fan. So now let's move behind the scenes here at Movie Beat. The official URL is rexsykes.com. I'm your host, R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S.com is the official URL. My guest today returning is Mr. Michael Frost Beckner. It is a writer's series. This is episode five. Uh, Michael is a producer and a screenwriter. He's the uh, the writer of one of my favorite movies, Spy Games, and many others, uh, as well as TV series and pilots, uh, you name it. So you're going to want to stay tuned. We're talking pitching. We're continuing our conversation on pitching pilots and series. We're going to be talking features and, and the whole gamut of things. So be sure to stay with us. The chat room is open if you're listening live, so join us in the chat room. And please, whether you're listening live or archived, take a moment and spread the word. Uh, use your favorite electronic means to deliver the message that uh, you're listening to Michael Frost Beckner on Rex Sykes Movie Beat and that others should listen to. Also, leave comments and thoughts at uh, Facebook or at the uh, Blog Talk Radio Player, uh, because when you do, that extends our reach out there on the Internet and search engines, and it makes the show available to others who might not otherwise know about it yet. And I appreciate it when you do, and you support my guests, so thank you very much. Um, Michael will be with us in just a second. I want to tell you I have a, a new blog that I created because I've told everyone about the fact that my website has kind of been held hostage in, in limbo land, and there's been all sorts of problems for a number of years uh, getting the new website launched. So I created a new blog. It's Rex Sykes Movie Beat dot M-E, Rex Sykes Movie dot me. And, uh, and you can go there. Uh, when you do, you'll be able to, for example, uh, the first blog was a welcome, and then it was about Lenore Andriel, who is a guest, and she's returning. There's one about Michael. And from the ver- those blogs, or from Rex Sykes Movie Beat, or from Blog Talk, or you, know, you can listen to the show live and or archive shows. All of the archive shows are at the original Rex Sykes Movie Beat uh, website, rexsykes.com. They're all archived there. But the new, the new blog site at rexsykesmoviebeat.me um, allows me to also reach out. It also allows me to um, publish some articles, which I have on movie making, filmmaking, TV making, and the like, and, uh, and to interact with you in ways that I couldn't from the original site, from the limitations of the original site. And so that's what I, uh, I'm promoting two things. I've got so many pages, I don't want it to be confusing, but I want you to be able to find us, and wherever you find us, enjoy us. So um, let me tell you a little bit about Michael. He is a screenwriter, and uh, this is the Writer's Series episode number five. And he launched his career with three record 
making spec script sales. Texas lead and gold, cutthroat island in the hunchback of Notre Dame. He's written dozens of screenplays, studio rewrites, 20 pilots for commercial and cable networks, numerous episodes for network television, and his first film, Sniper, spawned three sequels. And his big screen success came with Universal Spy Games, directed by Tony Scott, starring Robert Redford and Brad Pitt. I just went back and watched this movie again. Michael and I... Uh, he's he's listening, and I'm going to bring him on. But we're going to have to talk about this movie just in and of itself um, one of these days. Hi, Michael. Hi, Rex. Good morning. How are you? How are you? I'm great. I was, uh, of course, you've heard me. But one of these days, I would just love to sit and talk about um, uh, Spy Games because when I watched it again, it had been a while since I watched it. You and I had been conversing, and I said, you know, I'm going to go back and I watch this, and I just went bonkers because well, thank you know you. during. <laughs> well, I, because during our discussions, you talk about, you know, leading people down, you know, you're doing spying and, and uh, you know, action, and it's kind of, you know, people are talking and they're lying and things. And, and so everything that we had talked about, or, or many of the things that we talked about, you know, I'm watching the movie going, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, yeah, okay, cool. And then and then at, at the same time, I'm, I'm completely riveted to the story. I mean, I'm not sitting, you know, um, at a distant vantage point trying to, to, to dissect it and understand it, but I was just thrilled with the experience and then, and then realizing that we had discussed so many aspects. Um, and I love it. I mean, I just love it. it well, you know, and it I, I, so practice I, what what I, I practice what I preach. I, I practice what I preach. Or it's all I know. Um, it, it is funny. It, it is funny as you get to know me, you watch some of my stuff. I, I think uh, I, maybe it's my, my children, and I know uh, both my uh, former spouses always said, watching your movies is just like sitting listening to you talk. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. We talked about finding your voice and, and the voice I ended right. up with, with like in the, the way I speak and the, the way I am. Um, so it is kind of funny when you, when you look at it that way. Um, it's also, but what's nice about that film, uh, like Sniper and, and like not so many of the others in between, is it's almost exactly the way I wrote it. Uh, you know, almost scene for scene. Oh, word, cool, word. yeah. You know, the few changes with Spy Game, um, uh, you know, one was in a sense casting cosmetic, being the uh, they didn't want an Asian uh, female actress, uh, so they made her made it uh, Catherine, whatever her name oh. is, uh, the British British girl. But it was an Asian thing, and uh, before it made a little more sense that the Chinese would would be holding a Chinese woman rather than a British woman. But anyway, uh, that was the big change. You know, if that's the one change you get because they find there's more international appeal to casting, you go with it, and you're happy. You got you know you got as far as you did. But uh, thank you. Yeah, that movie is, is great, and there's a fun story. That, that goes a long way, and it's a, it, we can dissect that one of these times in, in you know, how you get from concept to spec script to Robert Redford to production to a, a movie that's a hit. Um, that's, that's, that's a nice journey to take uh, one of these days. Uh, well, absolutely. I mean, I, I, and I definitely want to do it. Plus, you are in the works for the prequel. To this, mm -hmm. yeah, the uh, yeah, that is correct. Spy Game actually started out as a you know I went to school and studied novel writing, and that was a book. Um, and I took a year off from screenwriting to to complete that novel, uh, and woke up one morning and, re and uh, realized I had no money left. So I lopped <laughs> off the last third of the book, quickly wrote it as a spec script, and when I say quickly, I did it in like four days. Uh, and you know, when you're desperate, desperation is, is, is a real good motivator. Uh, and and sold it. What happened was they didn't want to pay for the 
whole thing. They didn't want to pay for the, the entirety of the book um, if that would have been uh, costly along with the pay, having to pay for a spec script. So they allowed me to keep the first two-thirds of the novel. And the deal we got was I get oh, wow. it free and clear after X number of years, and I can write one film based on it using the characters and having no attachment to any production entity or producer who was involved before. Wow. So I ended up wow. with really the best part of the story, um, and I'm, I'm very excited to get that going. The, uh, um, it follows. It, it's, it works in the same manner. It was, if, you remember, um, if you understand, it's all one book, so it's sort of the same structure. Um, it's 72, 72 hours before the film starts. It's why does Robert Redford, why is he being forced to quit the CIA? Why is he walking in on his last day? And it has to do with his, me- he's, uh, his mentor, the guy that made him who he is, is found dead. And it's an interrogation. It's an interrogation of him uh, at his vacation house of, you know, what do you know about this and why was the guy murdered? And in the same structure, he walks them back. Uh, to when he was the young man. So it's sort of, uh, it's he himself is the Brad Pitt character with his mentor, who's the real spy master of the whole thing, and much more uh, devious and nefarious and cunning than uh, Nathan Muir uh, turns out to be. And it's that story. Wow. So it, it, it's kind of fun. It's, it's pretty exciting and, and uh, very excited to get going on it. The uh, And now we're out to cast, and we have some very interesting people uh, uh, involved and... In, in, uh, we look like we'll be doing it uh, in 2015. Oh, that's exciting. That is truly, truly exciting. Um, well, then, before we get into pitching, let, let me um, ask you also uh, uh, about Two Appomattox and, and also share that your website for Two Appomattox is T-O-A-P-P-O-M-A-T-T-O-X.com. It's Two Appomattox, and that's the upcoming uh, pilot miniseries that you are uh, producing. And that you've written. That's right. Yes, I wrote and wrote it, uh, and I'm producing it. That uh, we hope to be going with that this spring um, in Virginia. Uh, it's been a bumpy road, and, and if you go to the Facebook site, there's a two Appomattox site, the official site. There's also a fan page there, but I don't think there's much activity on that. Um, you go to the official site, you can dig back into it and really follow the process. But it's been a long road. Um, have a have a terrific committed cast to stick with it the whole time, and now we finally found a way to uh, get this thing made, and and it's it's very exciting. One of the things we were we the piece of the puzzle we've always been missing when when we were with Sony and when we were with the uh, different networks who wanted to do it is there's uh sadly there's very little uh, foreign pre-sale uh, value to it. They don't want Americana. They certainly don't want westerns. Uh, so we've had a little bit of a budget gap. Well, we found a way, starting back in June, in a very uh, obscure call, uh, and I can't go into the details right yet, but I will be in, in probably the next time we speak. It'll be, uh, it'll be locked and finished, and money will be in the bank. But I got a call out of Virginia from a, a, a Civil War uh, foundation uh, that felt that this would be a great way to uh, promote what they do, and uh, they decided to come in and help us raise the money. Um, and it's worked really well. It's, it's, uh, when you hear the story, uh, it, it's really quite incredible. Um, for the people, it's always been an eight-hour miniseries. We've now extended in, into two uh, mini-seasons of six hours each, so it's at 12 hours now. Um, and we plan to be started on the, six, the first six hours uh, in this, this spring. That is so cool. That yeah. is, so that is so cool and, an, and yeah. an exciting journey. 
Yeah, it's exciting and, and highly frustrating, but, you know, when the journey uh, ends successfully, you know, then, then all the frustration was worthwhile. Um, yeah, and everyone who waited patiently, they're going to be getting two two more hours, so uh, or the four more hours. So uh, it, it's uh, going to be that much uh, more more fulfilling, I think, for people creatively. Well, excellent, excellent. It's, it's good for um, everyone to get to hear uh, about the progress being made on both these fronts, and and kudos and congratulations are in order to you and uh, the team that are bringing these about. And um, I'm glad when you share it here too on air. So uh, that's, that's always exciting. Um, the last time we were together, uh, you were talking and, and fabulously so about pitching series and giving tips and suggestions and secrets to successfully pitching pilots for. Uh, series in producing or to producers and and networks um, we're going to continue with some of that and so would you um would you like to recap for us or uh catch yeah, up yeah let's, let's so we recap the uh the structure that that I find is most effective in in pitching a series um, is uh you go in you you start with your log line and that's basically the type of show it's going to be um you know whether it's cops, whether I'm always pitching espionage, but not this year though, I'm, which is refreshing for me. Um, <laughs> then, then the characters and what their their conflict is uh, in the overarching thing, what they will be doing year in and year out, and how they will be relating. So it's a pretty simple opening. Then you go a little bit more into the setting and the premise of the series, um, and you kind of drop the characters out for a minute and. and uh, then what I do is I go straight into the characters. Once once they kind of get, okay, this is where, how we're opening it, this is sort of the nuts and bolts. You just kept, capture their attention with the log line, move into setting and premise, uh, expand on that a little bit, and then I go straight into characters because with television as opposed to pitching film, your TV series is based upon your characters and not upon the events necessarily. Um, even if it's serialized, it's the characters and, and – uh, um, I would uh, I would imagine like, what are we what are great shows Dexter uh, Breaking Bad those Mad Men um, it's not about oh let's take Mad Men it's not about I'm sure on that pitch it wasn't all about what ad campaigns they were doing it's all about Don Draper um, so you do the characters then you go into um, then we talked about how you go into the pilot plot and you kind of beat that out uh, you know teaser and, and your act I usually do uh, still do a teaser and four acts when I pitch. Um, a lot of the networks now are at, at and to them the cable or at five act structure, but it's you just, the four act thing is pitches but easier I think. Um, and then then after that uh, you go into uh, what the series will be and where you see it going, and then you can unravel some of the plot ideas you have and the events you see happening uh, that will impact the characters. And, and um, anyway, so we went through that. What I wanted to talk about is how you finish the pitch. I, I I think when we left off, I was leaving the room uh, on an NBC pitch where we lost out to the same concept the day before. Um, but I was thinking, as I, as I refreshed myself this morning, um, there's a couple things at the end of the pitch that are just as important as the beginning. And one of them is how you finish speaking. And many times, and I get pitched to a lot, uh, people will uh, finish, finish their last thought and then say, if, if they don't say anything, they'll go, um, which is, is disconcerting. Or they'll say, and um, that's it. And there's another um in there. Uh, what I find most effective is once you do that, it kind of shuts people off. You're telling them, you're 
saying, I'm closing the door now. What I tend to do is try and end on a, on a, on a uh, not necessarily a total cliffhanger, but on something provocative, and I just stop speaking. And it's a very difficult thing to do because it's not natural. Um, but you, you finish your pitch. You say, this is where it goes, and this is where we're going. And you come up with a final event and just force yourself to just shut up. When you do that, it draws the, your audience in. And the key to pitching, and one of the things we were talking about, is as much as you want to inform uh, the executives in the, in the studio or the uh, network uh, of your content and your creativity and the idea, you want to, as soon as you start, try to make it uh, belong to them in as many ways as possible. So you want to keep reeling them in. And so when you stop like that abruptly, it does take people a second to realize, oh, it's finished, but they're still engaged. It's, you haven't told them, now put your pencil down and we're done. You let them engage, and, and they will immediately ask you a question. And that comes up. So I, comes to something. Yes, go on. The question, I have a question. So, for, so as, as an example, I, I, I mean, I could give you five, but I'm going to give you one and ask you if this is what you mean and or how you would adjust it. He gets back to the house and he opens the closet door. That's right. And now I've perfect. And I've stopped. I mean, you know, and then it feels weird to do that. It feels weird to do it, but uh, yeah, that's 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 the idea. That's the idea behind it because it stops everything. And what it what it does is attention focuses focuses on what you were saying, focuses on you, and it focuses them on being engaged after the pitch because there's this period after the pitch where you really need them to feel like they've been sold and they're a part of this. Um, and that, that's what that effectively does. The other thing, and this isn't a screenwriting term, and I don't know where I got it from, um, and it's only my own term, but I always, uh, in my pitch, when I'm practicing it and, and getting ready, I, I create what I call the rabbit garden. And I throw out some, some provocative uh, statements that I don't wrap up, I don't answer. Because what's going to happen, and, and they're executives are trained to do this, they're trained to ask you questions afterwards. If you wrap everything up with a nice pretty bow, they're just going to ask the basic um, cliched questions executives ask you after a thing to be polite. So what you want to do is you build that little rabbit garden. You know you're not answering the questions, but you're putting – the concept of the rabbit garden is this. You're growing your vegetables. Uh, you don't want the rabbits coming in under your fence to eat your carrots, so what you do is you plant some carrots outside the – the uh, area where your crop is. Um, that way the rabbits will always go for what's easy and it's there and, and you can kind of gauge, gauge your losses. Um, so I always plant my little rabbit garden of allowing myself to leave some things unanswered so I know exactly what the questions I'm going to get will be. Um, so that's kind of key because the, that next step when they ask questions, you need them to be engaged rather than uh, going through the motions. And if you let them feel they're smart and they – you know, what's great is they feel they're smart and they go, ah, I caught something here. I need, he didn't really answer that. What is that? And you're already prepared for it, then your answer is going to be much better than if they're fishing, fishing around for a question and you may not be prepared to answer. So that was kind of the other thing, thing you do. Then you, then you leave it open for the producers to do a wrap-up as well. Um, when, when, kind of, uh, can yeah. I, go ahead. Uh, I want you to no, keep I'm your sure. thought, but my, my question going back to, you know, and he opened the closet door, uh, I'm not summing anything up at that point. I mean, I'm tying back to maybe something earlier. When you're pitching a pilot, 
do you want to go from A to Z? I mean, I, I get with the rabbit garden uh, analogy, I, I kind of, uh, how much, in other words, what I want to know is I don't go, and then they live happily ever after. Is that something that's best answered when they ask? Well, yeah, well, the TV series, if you if you say, and then they live happily ever after, the, the first thing they're going to say is, well, our series only runs for one season or two seasons. So you do <laughs> want to right, leave right. it open-ended. Um, so you, you leave it open-ended with, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be just like the, and then you open the closet door and, and you're just not right, right. finishing it a thought. But it should be open-ended enough that they don't realize you've finished until, you've, until you're not speaking anymore. Um, that, that's all I'm saying. And so you, you finish your thought and just, you know, uh, you'll, you'll know what your pitch is. It's just don't say, and so that's my pitch, because then that right. kind of shuts the door. I guess for the listeners, what I'm trying to what I'm trying to, to 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 make sure that we all understand is when you're when you're pitching the concept or the idea or the characters, you know, you you you've got a certain amount of a certain amount of limited time in in order to one create rapport, gain their attention, um, not only gain it but captivate them, and then you know leave off as as you suggest stop speaking where then they come back. You know, to to seek additional information. Um, you know, the guess being that what you're trying to do is paint word pictures so that they can imagine this as not only a show but one that goes for more than one season. So, how do you? What what is there? Um, well, uh, yeah. Know, was, thank you for for asking me that because that that uh, clarified a little bit better in my mind, so I can I can say it better. So, with the agency, which was the inner workings of the CIA uh, uh, during a war on terror. Um, so the way I would finish that with that pitch, I don't remember how I did it, it was a while ago, but uh, it would be uh, as the characters' lives and interpersonal relationships become more complex, uh, caught in this world, not only in their personal lives, but in a, 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 a world on fire, um, the events that, that transpire in the CIA will begin to impact their lives. And the question will be, will they be able to... Uh, what would I say? Would they be able to um, find their own happiness, find their own uh, peace of mind uh, as the world goes up in flames? See, I like that because you end with a question that mm-hmm. makes me try and you know tries to fill that in. To, it makes me understand that in in subsequent episodes, that is part of the journey or the question that will be answered, as opposed to saying. And thus ends our saga, but we've got lots of ideas for other shows. You know, I mean, season one. You know what I mean? I mean, in other words, I know exactly what you mean. And that's that's, if you do it that way, then they're going to ask you, what are your ideas for other shows? And it opens the door for you to uh, pitch to an engaged audience rather than just go through and say, now, uh, some of the episodes we had in mind are, and and if they haven't asked for it, don't, you know, want to go into it. Yeah, so you're you're what you're doing is capturing their imagination for how they can imagine this show, not only the life of the pilot, but where it's going to go afterwards. And if you've and if you've left off like you did with a with a question about where the characters are going, then then they can ask those questions and you can say and hopefully you've got the answers, but I mean you can you you know you, That's you're right. leading and them what down a, a garden path. And you're allowing them, uh, and, and you're getting feedback from them, because the question they'll answer is, 
Well, what I, I, that character of so and so? How do you see that uh, developing over the series? And they go, oh, that's the character they like. Uh, that's the one they're interested in. So then you expand on that, rather than if you if you just jump into it. Say that's okay. So that's the pitch. Here is now. Here are some like you're doing a checklist. Now here are some episodes. You don't really know what what you've interested them in, in with the pitch. Uh, so. Uh, that's really it's time to let them say, where do you see this going? And, and they'll typically ask something specific if you've been provocative enough to planet your, your carrots outside the fence so they can pick those carrots real quick. Well, I really love this because, because what, what it means is that, you know, if, they are, if they've been stimulated, if they've, if they've found your pitch provocative, they're going to have questions then they're entertaining the i mean they they could ultimately say well yes it's not for us for whatever reasons but at least at this moment uh, my guess is they're engaged enough or they're fascinated enough to to pursue the thought that we could do the show versus you tying it up with a neat little bow and going well there's my package okay get back to me if you if you find you know if you find it interesting precisely that's exactly it because you know they're going to buy a bunch of them to develop not as many as they used to. We went into that last time. But, uh, if, you know, if you have a slam dunk with your premise and your characters, you'll know pretty quick. They'll interrupt you and say, this is great. Let's do it. Um, but if you're, if you're selling and you really need to sell, you do need to engage them and make them feel that they have – make them think about it and see what they do because that will – what they're not going to do is come up with a bad idea in their own mind, um, and that's engagement. You know, they're going to they're gonna spark to something, and they're going to – you know, they're not going to ask you questions that, that, that make you shoot down your own show. They're going to ask you questions that make it more palatable for them and more uh, sellable to their bosses and more uh, buyable, if that's the word. Uh, and that's kind of is, the key uh, of doing that. Is it is part of your approach then, I mean, or... Um, to, 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 I mean, I like to think of it as the difference between a closed question and an open-ended question. You know, a, yes, a question that gets you a yes or no is why they you, – you, um, there are a lot of people who would be interested in this, right? Yeah or no. Or the difference between um, can you imagine how many people, you know, would tune in to see what happens to Frank on Friday? Sure. You don't. You don't. The, uh, I mean, it, you don't I mean, want to do any yes or no question. You don't want to. You want to keep opening doors for them and having them opening those doors. So you. So the open-ended question. The more. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying the, the the more that you can present an open-framed question or uh, or your pitch is concluded with something that that is open as opposed to neatly tied up and packaged or you know with the fini at the end of it. Um, where you say you just stop speaking, it is to open those pathways in the other person's brain, literally, to get them to seek answers from you rather than to try and provide exactly. them all the answers. They'll remember it better. And when they have to go back with their little pad, okay, so what were the 20 pitches we heard today? When they get to yours, they'll remember it more because they engaged. You allowed them to engage slightly in the creative process. Uh, and and it's good to keep in mind that these executives uh, – all see themselves as, as creative executives, which their titles are all creative titles. And so they believe they have a, a, a creative input and creative ideas, and, and uh, they, you know, are, are hand-in-hand hand with you in the uh, creation and imagination behind the show. So the more you can allow them to do that in that pitch and, and become party to it, uh, the better off you are. That's then why I got to the idea 
uh, planting questions in there you know they will ask by just leaving a few things loose or uh, um, loose unanswered, that sort of thing. That way, the question they're going to fasten, because they're going to pick the easiest thing to ask. So the thing you left left out, well, hey, wait a minute. You didn't say what happened. You, you started to say she does this, but you didn't t- take that. Could you take that a little farther? And you're like, good. I was, you know, in your head, you're saying, good. I was totally waiting for you to ask me that question. Um, again, that makes them think that it was their idea. And where it was actually just the, the, the carrot you planted outside the fence, you knew they were going to eat first. Um, and that's important, too, because then they start, you want to allow them to have ownership of it as, e- as early and easily as possible. Um, you know, then it will get back down to concept and timing and, and what's their, you know, what is their appetite for the, the kind of show you're pitching. But, you know, in the pitch itself, they're going to be open to what you're saying if you allow them to participate a little bit. And it's, and, uh, it's very easy to go in. And I made them, I've, the, the way I'm telling you to do it is when I've been successful, but I've been unsuccessful a lot of times. And it's because I don't do that. Because I go in with a show and I pitch the whole thing. I tie it up in a ribbon and they don't have anything. They didn't participate. They just listen. And I kind of went too far and, and, and told too much. And, okay, that's great. Well, then it's just, well, do we like that show or not? But they didn't, they didn't participate right. in it. So that, that's well, all I'm saying. And, and no, no, go finish. Finish your thought. Well, that's what I'm saying is that that is why the ending of your pitch, how you finish your pitch, is as important as that first premise and, and or log line and premise. Um, because you you can't you really aren't ending it. You are opening you're opening it for their participation, their ownership, uh, and their creative involvement in your idea. And even though you only have five minutes with them to get creatively involved, buy that five minutes, get that five minutes out of them. Uh, and even if what they say you completely hate, you, you you can fix that later. You can fix all that later. You just want them to be engaged in a way that feels comfortable to them because then they have they have just a tiny bit of ownership of the idea rather than they just listen to a pitch. Well, I think one of the other aspects of, of what I really appreciate you saying is you, you're going into people who have the ability to say yes or to say no. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I think a lot of people have a – they need to understand that they need to have an amicable relationship with these people and not a hostile one in, in, in their own heads, in their own being. You can't go, oh, I hate these guys, but I'm going to go in and pitch them anyway. Uh, so even though that may be the case, what I'm getting at is that you say, you know, you want it to be their idea. You said that they're creative, you know, they, they have the title of creative producers, whether they in fact are or not, if you can make them feel that they are, if you give them the idea that it's their idea, if you let them have that, if you engage them so that it's, it comes from them as opposed to you. I mean, you know, we're all power players, but if the powers that be go, hey, I think this is a good idea, you get further faster than if you come in and say, I think this is a great idea. Yes, very much so. Uh, you have to, uh, it's, you know, if you... Car salesmen you grease the wheel. make you feel like you've already owned the car. They make you feel like you've already owned it before you bought it. You drive that car, you get in it, they, you take it around the block, you take it for a spin. They, they always say, oh, no, hey, you can open it up here. Go a little faster here. It's fine. Um, so that when you get out of the car, you participated in the car, and for a few minutes it was your car. Um, that's kind of the way you want to do it with a pitch. For a few minutes you let it be their show. Uh, and it's a hard thing to do because a lot of just, hey, they're not paying attention that much. It's going to 
something's got to spark them anyway, and that's why I say plant some seeds to give them real easy, you know, low pitches. Um, so they have questions to ask you. Um, say something provocative so they're on the edge of their seat and then they have to engage. Okay, well, that idea, well, I want to know where it goes next. Um, so that they got that test drive with it rather than either in the car, the car showroom and the car is sitting there and you don't open the door. You say, look in the window, check that out. You describe the car perfectly. You describe how it drives. And, oh, the, the ride's so smooth and, it, and the horsepower's so ready. You can go so fast, blah, blah, blah. And then you say, so do you want to buy the car? That's the car on the showroom floor that no one buys. Right, and and the other key ingredient to what you've used in the analogy of this um, test drive is that the salesperson always makes you feel like you are now already the owner. That's right. They don't. They don't know you're a loser who can't afford this car. (laughs) Right. Exactly. No, they they want you. They want you to feel like you for that those few minutes it's your car. Um, because that's a car you'll, you'll come back and purchase, and that's what you want right. to do with your pitch. You want them to get into the get into the driver's seat and drive it a little bit. So you you that's what I was that's where the rabbit garden questions come in. So you I love give the rabbit them, garden. Yeah. yeah, you give them you give them freebies that because uh, uh, they write it down. You see when they're writing it down, you go, yep, you just fell for that one. Um, <laughs> they want to they want to participate in it, and also they want to find a great show, and a great show is something that they believe in. Not what you believe in, but they believe in. So make them believe it's their car. And you well, do and that by get in it. Exactly. And then it also goes back to your passion and commitment to the project as well and your enthusiasm for it. That's right. You know what? And, and with that, it's uh, when you're passionate and everything else, you know, the guy that's selling the car, he's passionate about that damn car. And that's what you want to communicate. Once you communicate that, and you have the confidence to let someone get in it. You basically, say, "Share my passion" is what you're what you're saying. That's key. That's very cool. That is really, truly, very cool. Now, you, I, I want to, I want to return. I mean, I, I, but, but let's sidestep for a second because you mentioned before. You know, you're a producer. You get people to come in, and sometimes they tie up these packages, or they go, uh, or they go, okay, well, that's my pitch. So we've kind of talked about what they should do instead. But that is what they've done, and now they leave. Um, what other kinds of things do people do that, that probably shoot themselves in the foot rather than further their ambitions that you've um, seen they, they in, you know, in each other? Yeah. I mean, I know they're pitching you differently. They're pitching you episodes or something, but, but go ahead. Well, yeah, so I'll have, uh, with running a show or, or with working with writers, and this goes back to a lot of – had a lot of writers pitching shows – pitching episodes and pitching themselves for the agency. Um, the uh, Spending too much time t- telling uh, too many details is, is the thing. It's, it's, uh, your pitch has to say, stay conceptual. Once you get into the nuts and bolts of anything, like we talked about pitching the pilot, the pilot idea, I have to break it down in teaser and, and 4X. Let's go into that a little bit more. Sometimes people yeah. will pitch, you know, they'll take their 30 minutes pitching every beat of the pilot, and they said this, and they're thinking that, um, you have to assume that the executive has you in that room because they trust you can write scenes. So it's very rare that I'll t- talk to uh, pitch story in the uh, in specific scenes. I'll pitch the idea, each, each act, I pitch the idea behind it and the conflict and, and, and build that out. Writers get lost in the weeds when they're pitching, when they start to pitch uh, detail. And, and too much detail, and, and that's different from TV to uh, 
good features because features a lot of times you need the pitch the pitch detail. Um, but that's one thing that that, that, that I've noticed that, that you just because you, they're very familiar, you can see that they're passionate, but you're you're like uh, you're too deep into your concept. I'm still trying to get my head wrapped around the the basic ideas. So the the problem that, that uh, a big problem that writers have. Um, before they find their stride in pitching is um, proving that they know so much about their show they can pitch every little detail and every character scene and how they react to each person. Um, you have to leave that to the imagination. Also, if you have it, um, you know, a writer come, come in and if they're pitching an episode of, of a series and they have it all mapped out, it's sort of like, well, what do you need me for? Why don't you, why don't you just go write that, that show yourself? Um, you know, uh, the person you're pitching to, again, is going to be your creative partner. So you have to let them feel that there's room for them to maneuver in the idea. You know, so, so I think the biggest problem that, that where pitches go astray is when you're pitching way more detail than the executive or the producer uh, needs to hear. And, and that's where writers get, get lost. Do you uh, could it be likened? And, and stop me if the uh, the comparison is not fair. Uh, or or educate me if it's not fair to um, the the best storyteller sitting around a campfire at uh, at a camp out telling ghost stories. I mean, in other words, there are some people who just naturally can tell a really good story, and then there's others who who don't tell very good stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I think the good storyteller in in storytelling um, is speaking. Uh, much more thematically and conceptually, and um, um, uh, what, what would be the, the word I'm looking for? Um, in the broader, broader strokes of meaning uh, of character relationship, once you get into details in storytelling, when you just have a limited amount of time and you get in, into the minutia of it, um, you start taking it away from the audience's imagination, I think, a little bit. And um, you want them to be able to imagine what that scene might be. Um, when they're reading it on the page, finally, when you get the script and, and you've got your script sold and they're reading it on the page, well, then your details pretty well uh, better be spot on perfect. Um, but uh, that's not the, the, the function of pitching. You're not pitching details. You're pitching concepts, overarching ideas. Uh, you're pitching a, uh, a person's character, not their characterization. Did you say you're pitching their character, not their characterization? Exactly. So their character, yeah. what kind of person are they, how are they, rather than their characterization, how they display that. Um, you're a writer, you're in the, in the room, they assume you know how to display the, the specifics. You don't need to prove that once you get in the room. Um, you just need to prove that you, you can write a, a rounded person with, uh, you, know, uh, you know, a morality and, a, and, a, and an attitude and... and and how he deals with who he is. Very cool. Very, very cool. So, the going back between the, the the last episode and now, and 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 in our recap, um, and and where we move in terms of pitching, the not everybody gets to pitch. I mean. Somebody, you know, I have a great idea, and I want, and I, for a TV series, 
I got to be represented. I got to have an agent or man. I got to have. Don't I have to have some? Don't I have to have some wherewithal for getting some way to get into the game? And this is probably the hardest thing in the business. It is. It is such a mystery how it works. Uh, And and I talk to people a lot, and and I think the way it worked in my day is pretty much the the same way it works now. and, and, you know, some people, they're born in, in Hollywood and they're born in an in industry town and they go to school with people that have people, family in the industry and it's a little bit easy. But other people come from a completely different walk of life and how do you break in. So if we want to talk about um, how you break in and what, what you break in with first, what, what's the best thing to do, um, we can certainly go into that. Um, finding, a, you know, when I started out a, a long time ago when dinosaurs ruled the earth, um, agents did everything. Agents handled your career. They were there to give you creative input. Um, they had a long-term game plan. Uh, then they moved into into these, you know, mega corporations where they became really about booking slips and who's booked. And once you get them booked, you move them off the desk and you get the next person booked. And they don't have time because their their job is to collect clients and keep clients working and bring in commissions. They don't have time to, to work with your career and say, well, if, you, if we do this for a couple years and we do that, and um, uh, then in a few years I see you doing this, you know, that's going to be your first agent meeting, and they're going to throw, throw that out the door nowadays. And, and they'll just book you, and it's your job to do it. So that's where the, the role of the manager came in, and it, they've just replaced uh, half the work that the agent used to do. And it's not because the agent isn't working for you. It's that they're working for so many people now. Um, I, w- I would imagine statistically the amount of writers and producers in the last 20 years has tripled uh, than what it used to be. And so there's, there's you know, maybe even quadrupled. Um, so the agent has too many people to uh, effectively juggle to be able to be that uh, hands-on with, with a writer. Now, when you're new, you, need, you totally need hands-on attention. Uh, so... That's where the, the idea of the manager comes in. And, and I, I started off just with agents because there weren't, wasn't any such thing as a manager. And I've had managers off and on, and some, some are good, some aren't, aren't, aren't that good. Some just want to be producers, and, and, and that's the manager to stay away from, is the one that really all they want to do is put their name on your project and uh, uh, not only get the commission you're paying them, but then get to make their own salary and, and uh, have back end and everything else. And, and, and those, you can spot them pretty easily. That's not a real manager. Um, the manager that gets to be a producer is the manager that develops the idea with you. Um, and managers do that, and then that's totally fair. Um, so, but, but the question of, of when you're starting out and how to get one, especially if you have no contact, contact in the industry, it's pretty tricky. And uh, um, that's a whole conversation. We can certainly go into that now if you'd like. Um, yeah. Uh, maybe that's a good one to start. I think starting in television, uh, a lot of young writers now do start in television. Um, so how do you, you break into back down, deep down that door and get in there? Um, it is finding contacts. It is if you're, God, if you're somewhere else in the country, I don't even know how you do it, but I imagine you start reaching out to people who you admire and whose work you admire. Um, sometimes if you go to the very top, if there, there's sometimes people that open the door a crack. Um, other times, you know, that's going to be a waste of time. You go to people that are starting out and they're closer to the ground floor where you are, and you rise up the elevator with them. But 
I think the best way to do it is I've pretty much turned off when someone cold calls me or cold writes emails me and says, here's the synopsis of my script. You really need to read this. This is going to be great. We should be doing this. He's like, what? I got, uh-huh. I got enough work. I, I don't need that. Um, what does always fool me, and I think it fools a lot of people, is, um, hey, do you have five minutes? I, I really I admire your career. I, I'm not looking for a job or anything, but I, uh, I am interested in your industry, and I have no context at all in it or connections. And do you have, like, five minutes to, to, to give me some advice? People love to talk about themselves and give advice, especially people in Hollywood. All of us have <laughs> egos that like True. massaging. So it is when I started out, and that's how I did it. I, I, um, I didn't have any contacts. My uh, my family was from espionage, and my father was a professional athlete. So I had nothing to do with Hollywood. Um, the so what I did is, and, and I went to USC, and I was uh, told I would never. Uh, I applied to the film school all the way to my junior year, and, and finally got an interview, and they said, well. You have a wonderful creative resume, but uh, your SAT scores are a little low. Uh, here at USC, we can make a smart person creative, but we can't make a creative person smart. And, and that was kind of crushing. Um, so I walked out of SC without any film connections, without any association with other people in the film school. You know, they can rise up together, no internships. Uh, but I did find, you know, in, in universities, you can do this. I think anyone can probably do this. You can find through the alumni exor- uh, organizations, um, through uh, uh, the alumni uh, mailers that come out, who's in your industry. And uh, if, it, if you haven't gone to a university or a college where you can be able to do in your industry, in the film industry, uh, where you can do that, then it's who's from your community. Um, and there's always someone in your community who went and made it in Hollywood. And, and seriously, if you're from some, uh, you know, you're from Toledo, Ohio, and there's that other guy from Toledo, Ohio, and you call him and you say, hey, I'm here, and um, I just wanted to, to talk to him about it. If, if it's a career path I should be interested in or that sort of thing, they'll probably answer it because people have, have ties to either their school or their community. Um, church, or, church is always a good one, too. If you go to church, you go to temple, um, people of your faith, that, that you might know of or have been at your churches. But you have to find someone that you can just talk to. If you start right out the gate selling like you're the, the next uh, Steven Spielberg, it, it's going to be very difficult and you'll turn people off because it's competitive. No one wants to entertain a competitor. Um, they're certainly uh, interested in entertaining someone who is eager to learn. Uh, so that's kind of the first way to do it. Um, I recommend to everyone, and it's a tough decision to make, but it's to move out here. And then it's the, then it's the job of it's it's like uh, dating in a sense you got to go where these people go and you have to meet some who are your own age. Now when I started out, my first agent um, was my own age and or maybe a year older. I uh, went to UCLA. I met him through someone else that I met who was you know as I was struggling to be a screenwriter, they were struggling to be a producer, and they heard this heard of this guy and and we called him and just said, hey, can we come in for five minutes and talk about you know our plans and see if you think this is a good idea. You know, give, can you give us five minutes? And, and, and finally we got in the door and did that, and that worked out. It's, it's having, you have to find some kind of contact that can get you, the, get you to the uh, manager or the agent. I think maybe nowadays it's easier to get a manager than an agent. Um, but, you know, it's, but if you're out here in, in Hollywood and, or, you know, uh, yeah, in Hollywood, we'll call it that, um, you're going out, you try and spend time out talking to people. You know, people go to bars. They still go to bars, and, and 
uh, you talk to them and you find that person that's, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm an assistant at this agency or I'm an assistant at this management firm. Boom, there's your contact. And then, you know, people like to grow together and you do that. Most of the people that I know who are successful and much more successful than I am uh, in that realm, I knew from when they were assistants and I met them uh, out in the town. And, and I, I met them that way or through a friend. Uh, and so that's kind of the key, and that gets you in the door. Um, old calling, sending scripts out and stuff, I, that's, I don't even get my stuff read if I send it out. I mean, there's the, uh, um, the old William Goldman quote, and nobody in this town knows anything. Um, I think it's really nobody in this town <laughs> right. reads anything. That's what it is. No one reads. Really so don't send anything out. <laughs> well, very true. But, I, you know, I think of it this way, that people like to meet people. I always like to meet people. I, just, I You know, if, if I meet somebody and they end up becoming a friend or a contact or an acquaintance or something, that's fantastic. I mean, there are lots of people in the world worth meeting who, you know, I don't mean the power players. I'm just saying that in all walks of life, a stranger is a friend you haven't met yet. But what typically happens for some reason in it's like somebody unscrewed somebody's head and poured their brains out when it comes to Hollywood. A lot of people think that the way to meet somebody is to hand them their picture, resume, script, or demo reel before you find out anything about the other person. And it's not any different than those phone calls that happen during your mealtime or the knock on the door with somebody peddling something. It's, it's an unwanted solicitation as opposed to an invitation to, hey, I'd like to get to know more about you. Who are you? What are you doing? And, oh, this is a little bit about me. And letting them ask for stuff. I, I think down the road you can always make a request if you've got a relationship. But if your first form of contact is, uh, can I get a job from you? And it's not a job interview. That then you have to give. Yeah. No, no. That's, you said it much more articulately than I did. That's exactly was exactly my point. And it's much more easier to meet people and make friends and have that as your goal, goal because that is the first job you need to get. Your first job is making friends and making acquaintances. Um, you, don't, you, you can never go into the situation with your hand out that you want some, something. Um, they people to strangers. They, they're, you know, that's, a, that's like you said, it's a phone solicitor. Um, people tend to hire people they're friends with and know or tend to, to read the script to someone that they know. So you have to know them and be their friend first to, to get in the door. And uh, so I took, you know, before I got my – and the other thing is, is get a job in the industry, any job. Just get any job because that will also – it's better than going to bars. It will put you in contact with the people you're going to need to know and the people that will move up the ladder and, and that sort of thing. So you, you, it's good to get a job anywhere. And then just start meeting people and, and making friends, like you said, and then once you have a, a, a trusting relationship that you've never, you don't want something from them, then they'll ask you for your script. You're writing. What are you writing? You're going to get in that conversation while they're go, boy, I'd like to read that. The other thing is, is, you, is, is if you're meeting people in your same level rather than uh, trying to go out and shoot the big bull elephant, um, they want to find material. They want, they want to find something. They want to attach. They're going to need you once they're your friend and they hear that you're writing. They're going to need you as much right. as you need them. So it becomes a, a mutually beneficial. Um, but going out and sending out, uh, here's my, yeah, here's my tape, here's my script. Yeah, this, yeah great. I, I file it in the, the big box of here's my tape, here's my script. Um, <laughs> if I even say send it. Uh, well, it the, the, uh, there's two other points that I really wanted to, 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 to 
go back to because you said things. When I was a young guy in Hollywood, I would I didn't I wasn't smart enough to take a page job or a, an assistant's job or anything. I just I'm going to be an actor or I'm going to produce and the heck with everybody. So the, the, today, I mean, I have a, a young friend who I know who's a, who started as a page at, at Paramount, and he's since moved up, and he's doing other things. But, but I, I would, if I were, if I could do it now, I would do it now. If they'd hire a, a page my age at this point, I'd, I'd take a page job. Um, I think, or, or an entry level job of any kind, because I think that mm-hmm. that what you said there, uh, people don't understand that. Uh, w- you just got to get in, and once you get in, it may be a slow path. But the nicer you are, uh, the more value you add to other people, the the more helpful you you become without becoming uh, uncomfortably helpful. Um, you know, you you can you can you know or 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 become that you know ladder climber that everybody knows that you're just here temporarily. You could give a crap. Um, that, that, that's a really important point. You start wherever you can start. The other thing you said earlier is that also assistants. There are assistants. There are phone people. There are all sorts of people who these people treat like gold because they are the gatekeepers, and they will be the producers and the directors and the agents and the managers tomorrow. That's right. And, 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 and uh, you know, I was talking to an agent last week, and he was saying that uh, he's for the last, I don't know, five, ten years, uh, gone into representing on the side assistants and creative executives, oh. you know, the very lowest kind of rung in the th- in, on the ladder, and helping them get jobs and move up as an agent. Then he probably takes commission. But he says what, he, what wow. he's really doing, he's very self-serving because then he, they will all move up and they are the gatekeepers, and then he's done them a favor. He can send them his client's scripts, you know, uh-huh. as a, a writer's agent. Uh, but that that is key. Again, it, it's the... That group of the assistants uh, and the, the, the readers and the, 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 the basic people, those are the people when you're starting out and you don't have anywhere to get in into, get in there because everyone's going to help each other and it's, and it's, it's, it's like in any business. Um, and you've got to get a job and take any job. My first job I took was, uh, and I may have gone into this before, but uh, was taking, and this is a long time ago, 35 millimeter, the 35 millimeter slides come off the set for the press kits. Um, now it's all digital and they don't do any of that anymore. But, um, and that was just, I was in a, in a photo, it was like a photo lab, and I was just filing pictures. Um, but it got me on the lot at Disney, and, you know, I used my time to, uh, you know, I did my job as, uh, as, as, I wanted to be the best at doing that anyone that was there, and I wasn't looking for a promotion or anything else. Because again, you're right. The, the self-serving person who is is, is uh, uh, just trying to climb the ladder—that's easy to identify, and that's people to stay away. Uh, but again, that gets you into the uh, into the uh, what would you say in, on, onto the horse track? You're you're there on the track then. And and those are the people that'll that you have to be social with them as well. You have to find a way to be social with them uh, outside of outside of it, and then you all start kind of uh, moving together on the same tide. Wow, um, I, I, you know, I, I want to follow back up with that. <laughs> Great. Uh, my my uh, issue is I've blown past the uh, the little uh, break that we have, and I, I need to take a little bit of a break and come back. So. Uh, uh, I've been enjoying it so much, I haven't been paying attention to the time. Let me tell everybody that you're listening to Michael Beckner on Rex Sykes Movie Beat. His website that you can go to is twoappomatics.com. 
It is T-O-A-P-P-O-M-A-T-T-O-X.com. I told you I would learn how to spell that word. Twoappomatics.com. That was good. <laughs> fairly well now. But uh, go to twoappomatics.com. He also has Two Appomatics on Facebook. Michael is on Facebook, and you can follow him on Twitter at M F Beckner, B-E-C-K. N-E-R, Beckner, and it's M as in Mary, F as in Frank, Beckner. Actually, it's M as in Michael, F as in Frost, Beckner. Um, <laughs> I hadn't thought about that until a second. Um, and yeah, you're listening to Rex Sykes Movie Beat. <laughs> Rex Sykes Movie Beat, uh, the official URL is R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S.com, and that's where you can hear all these interviews live and archived. I also have a new blog at RexSykesMovieBeat.me. M-E dot me, so check it out. Also, uh, my next guest is Daniel Valuze. Daniel runs the Valuze uh, Motion Picture Ranch and the Melody Motion Picture Ranch uh, in Los Angeles. He's got lots of stories. He was a producer on Yellow Rock. Um, there's exciting projects coming up with him, and we are going to be talking with him the very next time. I believe it's the, the 24th, and then after him is uh, producer, actor, voiceover actor, writer, and author. Brian Herskowitz, who has got a new book out on, on uh, screenwriting as well. And uh, Brian is, I worked with Brian on a, a movie called, uh, it was called Long Live the Squirrels, directed by Alan Katz of uh, television director fame. And um, so he'll be coming up on the 31st, and those are the two guests. Of course, Michael Beckner will be back. Lenore Andriel is coming back, as, as are uh, a number of other guests. So stay tuned to uh, Rex Sykes' movie Beat, Dot me or RexSykes.com or RexSykes Movie Beat Friends on Facebook, and you'll get all that information. So we're back with Michael Beckner, and um, and um, and uh, we're continuing our conversation on pitching and also on, on, on breaking into the industry so that you can pitch. Um, yes. You know what you what you said, and and I'm uh, again earlier. Uh, about the agent representing these people in a self-serving way. I have no problem with people having strategies for succeeding when they add value to other people in doing so. Everybody wants to get ahead. That's fine. It's the people who climb over other people with little regard to them that that I think we all take exception to. But if if somebody uh, said, you know, I want to do this, and in order to do that, I'd like to do this with you. I would like to be able to give you this, or I think, you know. In other words, if, if people know that, you have their interests at heart, and at the same time, you also have uh, desires. I, I, that, to me, is a win-win. I mean, if you create a win-win for people, that's, that's an awesome place to be at. Right. Um, well, you look at it from their point of view as well, and uh, if they're looking at you and saying, God, I'm so glad that, I'm, uh, that I know this person we're forging a relationship because one of these days this, uh, uh, this young woman or this young man or, or whatever is going to be a successful writer, and great, it's, it's neat to know them in the beginning. Uh, you know, I find them yeah. dynamic and interesting because they're doing the same thing. Um, I was trying to think back, so how does it work? And, and I kind of remember, so I'm stuck in that little photo room, photo library, uh, and uh, I think, what, how, so how does it go? So I get calls. Uh, you know, I'm attached in publicity to, to a couple, couple, couple films. Mine were all Barry Levins and stuff. And I took a little time every time the assistant would call, call to be kind and charming and, and after another day's going and what so you know at one point it was finally well let's have lunch so they're an assistant they don't have anyone to have lunch with i'm not even an assistant i'm i'm a clerk uh and uh, then you have lunch and then that that set me off on my career and then at that point you know i went and was working for barry levinson in a very 
my first job with him was to watch The Office while they went off and made a movie. And I just sat there. But a lot of people would call, you know, and, and famous people, but their assistants would call. And these are young people. And uh, I'd do the same thing. And we'd make friends. And then we'd go out. And, and we kind of had this, this crew. And um, I, I, they all left me in the dust. So, you know, <laughs> whatever it is, I, I went my own way. I got once I, I I was able to start writing, but uh, that is kind of the thing to do. And you know, I bet there are, you know, internships. My first thing actually was an internship. I guess I was paid, and and I think that for a long time people weren't paying interns, and I think there's been a legal case that now they have to pay interns, thankfully. But uh, that was an internship, and I took it. It didn't it didn't pay well, but uh, you know, I, I I took on other work. I did other things. Um, and that's how you do it. You meet people your own thing. Then, uh, then someone, the people will start reading your work. Your friends, if you're friends with them, they're going to start reading your work because they also, you know, you, you, you typically find the people, or you know, if you if you figure it out in your own way, you'll find people that want to be. That you may find other writers, and so they'll have contacts, and then you can meet them. Or you'll find people that want to be an agent, or want to be a manager, or uh, want to be a producer, want to be. Um, a television executive, and uh, and then you just you, you know at some point they're going to want to have some material or some writer that they can say, oh hey I got a writer I got someone with some good ideas and it's hard to find good writers and it's hard to find especially when you're starting out no one no one wants to be, actually no one wants to be sending them their scripts uh, so it, it is mutually beneficial and and you, and you if you find those people then then uh, you know, the opportunities start coming. And sometimes, you, you, you know, you get these opportunities and some you have to go, you know, that's not really it for me and I'll wait a little longer. Um, you know, where it's the person that you know, says, oh, let's make your movie and I'll, I'll give you $100 for your script and, and we'll try and get it done. That's probably not the best thing to do. But um, that's kind of, I think that's the way to do it. I, I just can't imagine calling, you know, so-and-so management firm and saying, I want to talk to this manager and, hey, I want to be uh, represented. It <laughs> just it's not uh-huh. yeah. that that would be them going down the ladder rather than what they're trying to do is sign clients who have a, a bigger cachet than they have. That's what makes them better. So it's it's it, I think it'll be very difficult to do and, and, and you're beating your head against the wall if you're if you're doing that. Um I look at and I get emails from I don't pay for it so I've not really explored it very much, but I do get emails from the blacklist and, and I wonder uh-huh. if that's effective for writers. So do you know anything about it? It seems like it might be. I, I don't know. Um, a, a good friend. Well, let me say that I, I see a lot of I don't know that much about it either other than what I see from friends and, and uh, on Facebook and, and people who are friends of mine who have who've either used it. Um, that question seems to arise a lot, um, whether the blacklist is uh, uh, beneficial for writers. I, I, I have wanted to kind of discuss that too at some point on the show and, and find out those people who who um, who have value. So I, you know what? I invite uh, listeners to email and to contact either through the website or through the blog or something, and let us know you know the value that they've gotten or received or, or uh, the upside or the downside. Yeah, you know what I'll do? I'll, then, I'll talk, we can, I'm, I'm we can, fascinated by it, so I'll talk around too and ask people, and I'll, I'll look at it a little more closely. So that'd that be great. Be a new thing. I, I think there's got to be something online that I'm just. Uh, too long in the tooth to, to figure out what that is, but I think there might be that that might probably have have ways to to break in that I'm not even thinking of or aware of. 
Yeah, I um, I, I think what you, you and I have addressed, and it's it's got to be the same when it comes, and we'll bring it back to pitching, but the notion of what's in it for me. You know, where you say if a manager is going down the ladder as opposed to up the ladder, most of us have a, uh, whether we voice it or not, have a what's in it for me kind of mentality. Uh, if somebody comes up and says, will you watch my, you know, my demo reel, is we like, well, well okay, but... <laughs> You know, so, I mean, if somebody if somebody says, would you represent me, you know, I know you think you're the best talent in the world, but I don't know if you're the best talent in the world. So I would have to pour all this energy and effort, you know, and time and everything and trying to develop you and trying to get you through and trying to make you a star. And, you know, what's in it for me? Well, if it's 10 percent, um, you know what I mean? I mean, unless, unless yeah, I... Yeah, you know, here's the thing, and, and it's a tough thing when, you, when you're starting out and, and to even just ju- put your toe in the water in, in, this, in this job that, that, that I'm doing. Um, you have to have a lot of self-confidence, and you have to really believe. When you're ready to send something out, you have to really believe it's great. It's not just right. good, it's great. And you're not going to... No one's sitting around calling agents and, and, or producers or whatever, cold calling and saying, hey, do you want to read my script? Uh, because they know it's mediocre. They actually believe, and God bless them, and that's the way your mind should be working, and your, um, is that they've written something that is great. That is the best, you know, they, they've come up with their movie idea, and the idea they came up with when they wrote it, and I, I certainly felt this about my first script, um, or second, or third, or tenth, that this is the best, the best script out there. I'm a great writer, I know how to write, and I've told a story that no one's told, and I think this story will capture everyone's imagination. Well, so that, and maybe it's true, it could be true. Uh, but you have to understand that that manager or that agent is getting called by professional agents uh, every day and producers who have made movies every day who are saying the script that they have is the very okay. best script right now. And so okay. you're, you're still, if your script even is, and the, their script isn't, they're going to get, the, that's the call that gets answered. And it's just, it's the hierarchy. And so that, that's very frustrating because it's like, wait, my script is totally brilliant and no one wants to read it. Why? Well, it's because they got the same call. Hey, I got a script that's totally brilliant. Read it from people that they do business with. So that's why my, my philosophy is you've got to really kind of start with your own peer group and move up. Um, you may jump forward. I was very fortunate. I jumped from in there, and then, uh, I don't know, was, you know, everyone thought it was the first thing I wrote and sold with Sniper, but no, that was like my tenth script. Um, nine of them uh, being told, uh, you should consider another line of work. You're you're a terrible writer, uh, and you just keep plugging along. Um, but then I kind of just leapfrogged and I jumped ahead. And then, uh, then with Texas Lead and Gold and, and the economy and the strike at the time helped me out immensely. With that being a record-breaking spec sale, you know, and, and a contemporary of mine, Shane Black, he even more so. Boom! Suddenly you're you you you're able to catapult way up to where you want it to be immediately. So it's not like you have to start start at the bottom like we're discussing and, and, and with all the fish milling around, you know, the reef there, you know, outside the reef, and then you're just going to have to work your way up slowly and, 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 and grow into a big fish. You could become a big fish very quickly. Um, it's yes, just, it's just the, probably the smartest path to take because when you're, you're knocking on the doors of everyone big, well, everyone big is knocking on their doors. So you're, you're kind of not, not going to be first in line. Yeah, I mean, the, the, people need to believe in themselves. They need to believe in their work product. They need to believe that they can make it. They need to keep trying and not quit. And I think when they have that attitude and they go at it and they work smart, they become 
especially when they've got a good attitude, they become more savvy to opportunity around them. You know, if you're if you've got a bad mindset, it's harder to notice the the where the where the breaks may be. But if you are if you can believe in yourself and you pursue and you move forward with the idea that you're going to make it, then then you can and you could you could make an overnight success could be an overnight success. It 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 happen it does happen. And, it tends and to yet, be that way, at least in my experience. And most people that I know, they become overnight successes. It, it, it's just kind of how it works. Uh, well, yeah, you have to keep you know, doing it. You have to take rejection. Just with, just take it like this. Tough luck. That's for them. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll do something else. Um, God, I have a thought well, that's kind of important. Go on. Well, go I'll ahead. Go. No, I don't well, remember. We, we, remember, your, remember your thought. I was going to say Napoleon Hill back in the 20s wrote, you know, when it came to success, because he studied successful entrepreneurs back then through Andrew Carnegie and everything, he said, you know, everybody thinks money is hard to get, and it's not, and it's not related to hard work, and it's not related to any of those things. When money comes, it will come so fast, it will make your head spin. And for successful people, it's easier to be continually successful. Now, um, he's not saying you don't work hard, but he's saying a lot of people think, you know, I've got to get a job, I've got to work, you know, eight hours a day, I've got to do these things, and then somehow I'll be able to save enough money. And he said, no, no, no. You know, when money comes, it'll surprise you at how fast it starts pouring in. And so there is that ability for any one of us to, once we come, once we get there, once that overnight success thing happens, then it, it is. It can be surprise and delight you. It, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The... Uh that that's the story of my life. But also when it goes, it goes pretty quick too. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't get yeah. the, it, don't get divorced so many times. That's just <laughs> this is true. That. Well, you know, you know the 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 advice given it at that point too is that is and it's a, it's a really interesting thing. He said all these people think you know, or I don't know if it was Napoleon Hill, but the, but the but the philosophy behind it is everybody thinks okay, I'm going to attract wealth, I'm going to create wealth, I'm going to become wealthy, and they become wealthy, and then once they're wealthy, instead of doing what they did to become wealthy. They change and try and keep their wealth, and mm-hmm. so they've they've changed the mindset about what they do. Now they're trying to hang on to it. I, I don't. Yeah, and, and then, you, and then you, what happens is you go back to what what were the foundations of how you did it, and you can certainly get back there again if you did it before. Yeah, uh, if you've done it before, you can. Was the yeah. the other thing when you're when you're starting out, and you're looking for uh, representation. There's another uh, thing that that I notice young young writers and. Uh, people doing it. They don't want to share their idea too many times because they think someone's going to steal it. And, right. uh, you know, what I've learned is if someone's going to steal your idea, they're going to steal it. There's nothing you can do. You can have it copywritten. You can have it registered with the Writers Guild. You can mail it back to yourself. You can have so many locks on that box. If they want to steal your idea, they will steal it. Uh, and then your only recourse is if they're successful with it, you can get, you can you can sue them. But I think that the, the don't be afraid when you're starting out with, the, well, these people, I don't even, you know, these, are, these aren't tried and true track record producers or agents or anything else, so I shouldn't share my script. You should certainly always share your work and, and, and uh, know, protect it as best you can. Know that if someone's going to steal it, that's, that happens. It's happened to me. Um, know that you have other ideas. Know that there's recourse if, if when they steal it, it's successful. If it's not successful, add a film. Um, they were, uh, I had a film that, that was sold a couple times, I think, uh, of spec script with another writer. And uh, there was one executive, before he was an executive, at, at one of the major studios, and he was just a reader who loved it, really was the champion. And then 
that didn't happen with him. Then two years later, he becomes the vice president, and he sells that script, except it's not that script. He commissioned a writer to write the exact same script, and the name, character names were all the same, the same thing. And it's like, oh, oh wow. we have a lawsuit. Yeah, they, they stole it. This, this is a, it. Instead of being a submarine, it was an airplane, but it's the same darn thing. And, uh, and we found out, well, that movie was a gigantic bomb, so there was nothing we could do about it. We didn't, didn't get our sale, but we couldn't even get anything out of it. And you just walk on from that. There will be unscrupulous people, but I think when you're starting out, um, it's better to trust people and have an o- open heart and open mind about it uh, than uh, be miserly with your script. You do have to share it with with people that you you know that you don't see that you may get any value from. You know, if you don't trust someone, don't don't share it with them. But I, I think that holding on, and I, I hate hearing, um, you know, well, you, you know, how do I know you're not going to steal my idea? It's like really, then don't don't write screenplays and pitch projects. Um, you know, the, uh, there's other things that I've learned where I see in in films after Cutthroat Island, it was kind of funny because uh, they changed it. Gina Davis changed it so substantially from the script I I originally sold uh, that most of the good scenes were you know that I thought were good scenes were, were left out in the movie was whatever it was. I think it was just recently on uh, again the all time biggest failure of uh, in Hollywood, um, but uh, that, that film. But then for years afterwards, I would see from a couple of the people that rewrote that film, the scenes from that weren't, never made it to the finished, uh, to the Gina Davis version, I came in other movies. I mean, that, the exact same scenes with the same characters, um, not, you know, transposed to whatever plot they were doing. Um, I took that as a compliment because I didn't know how else to take it. Oh, and, and then I've seen with... Uh, with television pitches and uh, television series and pilots I've written that, that have been developed and, and then they don't go for whatever reason, you know, to, to uh, production. Um, later I'll see some of those elements from those scripts show up in other TV pilots. Uh, and then I'll see, oh, well, that executive was had been on mine. I don't think those people are actually, even in the case with Cutthroat Island, stealing the ideas. They get There's so many ideas that executives – and, 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 you know, big writers are, are, are working with it all kinds of stuff. I don't think they're consciously feeling. They just, it just gets into their creativity. And, and that kind of stuff you just got to take with a grain of salt because it's, it's, you'll just drive yourself crazy if, you, if you're going, you know, you're so precious about every idea you've had and you've shared with anyone. And just know that your turn, your turn's going to come. That can be, uh, that can be a little, the first few times that could be disconcerting. I remember a, a pretty famous show went on the air and it was, uh, it had been, I had a pilot at uh, FX, and that person moved to a, a different cable network, and then the pilot that came out, my pilot was never filmed, show came out, and all the characters and their dilemmas were exactly what mine was. And I, my ex-wife, I, she was in tears watching it. She goes, this is That's the way it goes. At least I got to see it. You know, I, I knew that I knew these, these plot points would work, and you just move on. But uh, being too precious with your stuff also is a little dangerous because you'll never get – if you don't let people read you read your stuff, you'll never find the, the person that can help you make it uh, in the end. So getting it out there, and part of getting it out there was what we were doing before. We, we talked about how you, if you're new, how you might get into the, be able to pitch and the avenue for doing that um, and and some of the pitfalls and some of the, some of the, the approaches that people can, can take to uh, – to uh, move their way into being able to pitch. But we started with pitching and pitching pilots. We're going to move to pitching features. However, we only have about seven minutes left. 
or eight, maybe nine minutes left of our time here today, so we'll save pitching features for our next time. But in terms of recapping uh, and the do's and don'ts of, of pitching television, pilots or or even episodic well, I want to do one more thing on this television on the television side of it and and, and breaking in and getting into pitch I think it's yes. virtually impossible to get in and pitch a series I think uh, most writers there are more writers working in television now than any other medium so I think the thing to do probably if, if you're looking at some new spec scripts are not selling all that well I mean there's so many spec scripts and so few spec sales um, so those for features that's a real hard thing to do what I'm seeing and what I see is um, you should have a good, strong spec script feature, but don't, but don't count on that selling, but have it be a good writing sample. And then be doing samples of uh, episodes of, of shows that you like, just making up your own episodes, inspecting those, because the best way to get in these days, I think, as is a story editor on an ongoing television series. I think that's probably would be my advice. Um, I always hire brand-new writers. Oh, that's cool. And when yeah, you do, yeah. I was just going to say, what kind of thing do, what kind, besides their writing, which obviously should impress you, what can they do to impress you uh, that they're a good writer besides their sample, or that they're the kind of play, person that you want to have on your team? Um, you, uh, it's, it's really when you interview them and, and it's seeing, seeing their character and, and what kind of people they are. Um, they should be people that are just eager to learn, and, and it's like going out for your first job interview. Um, they they don't want to conquer the world; they want to learn. Or they aren't the very best thing out there, and they can nail your show and everything else. You wouldn't have them in the room if you didn't think they could write on your two series. Um, I think a little humility, uh, a, very, a positive attitude about everything, a willingness to learn, and an understanding of what you think are the best dynamics of the show you're 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 writing you written a spec for, and and why you wrote the one you wrote, and that's that's important. I mean, even if it's wrong, from what the uh, you know, showrunner or anyone thinks the show's going to go, it, you need to have a clear idea of what you think the show should be and where you would fit in and what you could do. Um, and I, I always respond to that. Well, that's excellent. That's very good uh, advice for everyone to know. Um, so in the last few moments that we have here, what, um, regarding the topics that we've done today, would you like to um, finish or tie up for everyone? Well, I thought I just did that. I think what we need to do now, the, uh, you know, I think what we talked about, and, and I talked about pitching the, the, the series, I think that's, that's real good, good for uh, writers that are already working or have some kind of profile or have some kind of representation and want to, you know, jump and put their foot in the water in trying to create a show. Um, and there's a lot of brand new writers who do do that. They have, but they have an agent and they've written some stuff and, and, and they have some attention. Um, for the brand new writer, I think the last thing I said is something we can explore that more. We'll be remembered to do that. Um, I think uh, um, the next thing we want to do is, is let's talk about the feature pitch, um, and then maybe after that we can also go in the uh, spec script and the spec script pitch in a sense. You know, even after you put it, you know, because you still have to sell it. But it's a, it's a different piece than pitching uh, TV completely. Oh, that's that's very cool. Well, I I, I like that. I like the, the the trajectory, and I like everything that was said and done today. Um, you know, you always had incredible value to me and the listeners, and uh, you know, for that I am, am very very grateful, and, and I appreciate 
um, the discussions that we have here on the show. Thank you. Well, it, it, it tees me up uh, to sit down and work on my uh, pilot pitch that i got to go out with next week. So uh, it gets me it, – it, it refines and, and uh, sharpens my uh, perspective on what exactly I need to do so I don't, I don't make any of the mistakes I just said don't make. Well, that's very cool. Uh, that's very cool. Um, where can what you know, what I mean? We've talked about like colleges and everything. Are there are there any? And we talked about investigating the blacklist. But are there any? As we close out today, are there any particular writer resources that you think are are uh, worthy for people to explore? Boy, um, as far as the craft of writing. Because I, I, I wouldn't yeah. know. I don't. I never really did that. Um, I know okay. there's a lot of classes and a lot of books and that sort of thing. I never read any of them. Um, <laughs> I came from novel writing and, and just read a lot of scripts. I think the main thing is to read a lot of scripts. Um, and that, you'll figure it out if you're a writer. If you're not a writer, it doesn't matter how many formulas you're given in, in a class that you pay for. Um, if you are a writer, you'll be able to in, infer it from what you read. I think you know reading is, is the best. Then, then let me ask it of you this way, because one of the things that I least like to do in the world is read scripts. I mean, you know, I mean, when I come across a great one, I go, oh, "Wow, that was a good script." But you know, I mean, it's not like reading a novel. It's it's kind of reading for me. I guess I guess what the best way to do is this skeletal thing where I'm supposed to make pictures and try and keep track of things the way it's, you know, outlined on paper. And and I've been doing it, you know, for like over 40 years. So it's not like I. Uh, but it, but it, but it, it, it for me it's very painful. I, I don't find sitting down now and also but having probably said that, before you knew how to write write a script, you read a bunch of scripts. So that would be well, yeah, that. Yeah. Now I don't know the value. Uh, uh, it doesn't have this much value for for you and at this point in your career. But for someone trying to, to do it and figure out how to do it, um, I think the best thing to do is is you know you find you, you find you can find it online. Um, the scripts that are that are the, the pilots, the, there's the shows that were pitched that go to script, and then you know well, track down those scripts. And, well, no, and I, I, I go ahead, continue. I'm sorry. No, that wasn't me. That was someone outside hollering. Well, I, no, I mean I, I agree with you. I mean I I think it's incredibly valuable to read scripts. I, I'm just saying that, and I do, and I and I you know whenever there's free scripts online, so I get them, and then I sit and I read them. But it's it's you know I would rather go read a novel than I would a script. I'd rather see the movie than I would rather see a script. So the the question that I have, and we only have a couple minutes, and maybe we should come back to this is because mm-hmm. we did talk about it in other cases like you know how do you how do you capture the reader how do you get the per- because the readers in many cases going to be the person who says no before anything else um how do you capture their attention since the the structure of a script is unlike a novel how do should we write more in prose should it be more visual writing is it, how does how does what what do you have a formulaic approach for that first page you know and then subsequent pages that uh that allow it to be a, a, a better read for people, or an well, easier read. Uh, we have we have gone into this. I think we did this in the very first yes, one, but we, we um, did. You know, you we have did. to assume that they're going to know what interior and exterior and, and uh, um, scene headings are. Uh, right. You have to assume that that just, um, you know, that first page has to read like the first page of a great book, or the first it has, really the first page has to read like the first five pages of a great book. 
Uh-huh. And so you've got to assume that the, the scene headings are, are going to be there. I try and put as few in as possible. I don't want to jump around and have a whole bunch of uh, uh, technical-looking uh, writing on the first page. I want to have the page kind of flow and let people read something, uh, you know, some prose and some dialogue. Uh, and and uh, even if it's... Uh, even if it's action and it's something that's moving fast, I want to I want to have enough prose and dialogue on that page that they're they're not jumping around between uh, scene headings. You know, a whole lot of scene headings and a whole lot of cut twos or wipe twos and all that stuff people like to throw in. Um, and then that's the way to open it up. And and uh, right. uh, the good scripts do the, the the good scripts do that. And and, and uh, um, the bad ones when you're you know bad writing, you, you're going to notice all that that. Uh, um, structure because there's not anything in between the the, the structural joints of the of the um, uh, the construction. There's not anything in between. Uh, you know the walls aren't painted, and and it's it's really about those first scenes and and, and how you you know I always start with uh, you got to have an image in mind of what's that image and and then just you describe that and, and uh, get your character going. Um and and I always make it a little bit mysterious in the beginning. Um I don't I don't I I let it unfold itself rather than tell you what, what's going to happen and wh- wh- how you should be thinking. I, I, I like to you draw a reader in well by making it slightly mysterious and let them go, hmm, I wonder where this is going, even in the first few sentences. It's very cool. Well, th- th- again, you know, that, uh, those are those like memory handles, you know, when you say uh, that help people. When you say if, if you're paying attention to the construction on the paper, then you're not, you know, there's no, there's, there's no meat in the sandwich, essentially. <laughs> you're focused <laughs> right. on the bread. You're focused on the bread. So, I, Michael, we are out of time for today. You have been, again, a stellar, fabulous, wonderful. I really appreciate you being here. Uh, and we, I learned so much. We all learned so much, and I, and I appreciate that. Um, we're going to come back. We'll let the listeners know when you're going to be back, and uh, and then we'll continue talking about the, you know the, the things that we have said we'll talk about and other things as well. Um, but in the meantime, I Super. just want to say thank you so much, and uh, I wish you a well, great week. Thank we'll talk. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for for having me, and thank you, thank you everyone for for listening. Hopefully, I was able to shed some light on some things, at least how I see it. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. I will talk to you in a little bit, but uh, but you have a fabulous day, and thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Uh, we'll talk soon. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Uh, Michael F. Beckner, Michael Frost Beckner, uh, you can find his uh, new pilot, the uh, Appomattox, to Appomattox, T-O-A-P-P-O-M-A-T-T-O-X.com, to Appomattox. Find him on Facebook at Michael Beckner on Facebook. Uh, there's a to Appomattox Friends page, and it's M.F. Beckner on Twitter, so go ahead and follow Michael. If you enjoy these, my guests and these broadcasts, please leave comments at the player, whether you listen live or archived. All of these uh, discussions are uh, recorded live and then archived. They're available at rexsykes.com in the interviews blog. They're available from Blog Talk Radio. You can just look, look up Rex Sykes Movie Beat. They're available as podcasts from the iTunes stores, Rex Sykes Movie Beat. They're all absolutely free. So over 400 hours of professional filmmakers sharing their expertise, their tips, advice, uh, these discussions, their secrets with you and me so that all of us can advance our careers and, and move forward faster and get our projects done. So I thank you for listening. I thank you for your support. I thank you for your questions. I thank you for joining us in the chat room whenever we're live. And I thank you for the comments that you leave at the player or on Facebook or the tweets that you do or on, uh, wherever you spread the word. Uh, and when you rate and review the podcast, I really do appreciate that. It helps the show. Um, Again, the official website is rexsykes.com, R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S.com. There's a new blog, Rex Sykes Movie Beat, 
rexsykesmoviebeat.me, rexsykesmoviebeat.me. I hope you'll go. I hope you enjoy. I hope you'll subscribe. I hope you follow. I hope you'll share uh, the new blog as well. It's another way of keeping up to date. You can uh, become a member or like Rex Sykes Movie Beat uh, Friends on Facebook. That's Rex Sykes Movie Beat Friends on Facebook. Um, Facebook has been choking a lot of stuff. People aren't getting the information. We're not having the reach. That's one of the other reasons why I created the blog and why there's you know Twitter and things like that. So you can follow me on Twitter at Rex Sykes Movie BT. That's Rex Sykes Movie BT. The last word is abbreviated.com. Anyway, I want to thank Michael Beckner again, a fascinating guest for all of his input. There's uh, five. This this marks number five of the writer series, the screenwriter series on Rex Sykes Movie Beat. There's also two discussions with Michael about two Appomattox and uh, and his project there. So go back and listen in the archives. And I want to thank you, the readers of uh, Movie Beat and the listeners of Movie Beat. Many more exciting guests coming up in the near future. Next guest is Daniel Valuze. We typically record Thursdays. Uh, the show airs in the United States, 11 Eastern, 10 Central, 8 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, you'll have to convert that to for wherever you live. And um, so there's many more exciting guests coming up. Uh, Daniel Valuze is the next guest. Uh, Brian Herskowitz is coming up as well. So be sure to stay tuned. And please keep sharing the website and these interviews and the blog with all your friends and contacts. All right, everybody, have a fabulous day. Make your movies, complete your projects, and until we meet the next time, that is a wrap.